Martin has been a mental health professional for longer than he cares to remember. For the last 10 years, he's been the founder and managing consultant at Clarity Stress and Trauma. When he isn't travelling to provide support after traumatic events, you'll find him delivering training courses or feeding his chickens. Adam has been a BBC journalist and presenter for over, well, put it this way, he had plenty of hair back then. Using his extensive BBC experience, his company, Adam Kirtley Media, provides media, crisis media and presentation skills training across the world. He used to feed his own flock of chickens until the fox ate them all. Well, for today's podcast, Martin, I'm actually not going to be interviewing you. You found me somebody fascinating called Sue, who's going to be telling us about what? Well, yeah, somebody fascinating indeed. And I'm delighted that we know her because she's just had this fascinating and very valuable bit of experience spending literally weeks in Poland, a lot of it on the Polish border. Now, she'll tell you about that. There's no point in me doing that. And she's a trained and qualified counsellor who works with all sorts of organisations in the UK and elsewhere. And uh, I'm not terribly surprised that she was invited to do this piece of work. So very pleased and looking forward to uh, what she's got to say. Well, Sue Christie, it's great to meet you. First of all, assume I know nothing. What exactly do you do and why exactly were you in Poland? So what I do is I help people to manage the impact of what it is that's happening for them in the moment. Psychologically, emotionally. Emotionally, psychologically. It fill, it, it fits within a, a, a kind of mental health humanitarian side of things in terms of disaster management. I was uh, contacted by one of the organisations that I was signed up for asking if I were available to go to Poland to help them with a client who was moving their staff from Ukraine into Poland. So there was an evacuation happening of an entire workforce and all of the things kind of knitted together, my background, my experience. I said yes, then panicked, then packed. And uh, within 24 hours, I was on a plane to Warsaw. So you got there. What did you find and were you surprised by, well, I don't know, the vulnerability of people, but also maybe the resilience of people? Oh, absolutely. I had no idea what to expect. And like a lot of people, well, I was pretty nervous about heading out somewhere like that. I'd never been in a situation where I was so close to an act of war happening. So my anticipation of what it was going to be like changed because it was actually very calm. And that was one of the most surprising things. I was expecting chaos and actually it was quite calm. So we've all seen pictures of the buses coming over the border and, you know, the queues and people in tears and worried, etc. But on the other hand, I think for those of us who watch the war unfold on the TV, just being there where bombs aren't going off, but people are arriving having been traumatised or whatever, it it might seem ominously calm. One of the things that I found to do, because I was so surprised, I really didn't understand the Ukraine people and the culture and the history. You know, yes, there were some really distressing and difficult things that were taking place, but generally at the station, I was seeing people coming off the trains and it was still very calm, very quiet. It was mostly women and children. And it was a very strange atmosphere, to be honest with you. It it wasn't anything like what I expected. And it certainly wasn't what I'd imagined. You would have imagined more chaos, more uh, emotion outflowing, but actually it was just a procedure. 
It was a procedure, yeah. People were in transit. They weren't settled. They were moving through and it was part of that process for them. They've come, in some cases, not from a situation of immediate danger. They've got out on time, as it were, but some have come from a traumatic situation, escaping bombs, etc. I mean, the psychological effect of having to up sticks and leave your country at short notice must be immense. Yeah, it was very interesting because I had so many conversations. Some of the Ukrainians that I got to know very well, and we had, you know, quite some good chats about everything. And I I sort of learned that there was a great deal of shock that this actually happened. People didn't really think this was going to happen. And so although there was a maybe a level of preparedness in that, you know, things weren't looking good, there was a sort of half-hearted sense of, oh, we'll get some things together just in case but there wasn't a sense of I've got everything ready to go just in case. So I think there was very much that displacement of people that was perhaps one of the most difficult things for them to cope with is that they could have done a bit more, could have got their favourite thing or done this or done that, and they didn't maybe take it as seriously. I think that was one of the things that I was really exposed to is that they kind of maybe felt that they didn't take this threat as seriously as they could have done. And a lot of people, I'm glad you mentioned it, because a lot of people didn't move out under shelling and gunfire and bombing. And whilst it was distressing, people weren't necessarily traumatised by their experience as such. I was getting quite frustrated with some of the things I was seeing about PTSD and everybody's going to need all of this And actually, I was sitting there with some of these families and some of these individuals. And yes, it was horrendous for them in many ways. It wasn't actually hugely traumatic. It was terrifying in in, in many ways, but they weren't leaving under bombing and shelling. But even so, they may have had to leave in a hurry and presumably... Many told you that they'd had to leave certain things behind, but even more importantly, maybe certain pets behind and things like that. Yeah. Well, we had pets and we had... What, that had come with them? The pets had come with them? They'd come with them, yes. We had some pets with us. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there wasn't trauma involved, but it wasn't the sort of trauma that was being portrayed at times. This was about separation from loved ones and the trauma of that, not necessarily the trauma of being under shelling and bombing, but actually, um, you know, having to leave your husband or your parents behind and you're right you know at times your pets there was an element of trauma but not the kind of trauma that I think people were tending to talk about and certainly um, people were not in that moment experiencing PTSD because that isn't something that comes about but but they might do now they've got over the border into Poland many have gone on to different European countries some have come here as it sinks in, is that in your experience as a professional where almost the trouble really starts? Well, yes, it can. It depends on how we manage this process. And I think if we meet people with the right interventions at the right time and we literally tend to their safety and well-being and their basic needs, 
then we are more likely to help them recover from the experience that they have just been exposed to. But actually, at that stage, people just needed a spare pair of shoes for their child or some dog food or they needed some help with their visa application or, you know, they weren't in that place of needing anything more than the basic needs. And that's quite difficult sometimes to get across, I think, in a situation like that. How many did you meet that definitely wanted to come to the UK? Or were they just happy to go anywhere that would have them? To be honest, I was quite surprised at how few people wanted to come to the UK. Really? Do you, do you know why? Yes, I think in the early days, um, people didn't want to leave and be that far away from home. There was a sense that they were going to be going home in a couple of weeks. A sense of, you know, this may kind of blow over if you like I mean how do you make a decision to go to a completely different country with your child when your husband is still back in your home town I think a lot of people that I spoke to were much more likely to want to go to one of the more Slavic speaking countries the where they had more commonalities with the culture or whatever and because it was actually far easier than the complex system that we have in place. As this war drags on, though, and more come out and more have to stay out for longer, do you think that might change? I think it, yes, I do. I think it will change. You know, funnily enough, going back to the idea of pets, and I'm a great pet lover, and I think that we've got some problems there with people bringing their pets here and that's something that a lot of people with pets are aware of and they're not wanting to come here because of the quarantine situation. Because actually psychologically for many British people they've wanted to to do something to help it's human nature isn't it to say gosh what a dreadful situation I want to help indeed we've tried to take in a refugee our particular one's fallen by the wayside we'll try again but actually in a way it's a bit sad if lots of Brits have said, please come here, we'll give you a room, we'll give you half the house. If nobody wants to come, that's that's quite sad, isn't it? I, I suppose it's it's not necessarily that nobody wants to come. I think it hasn't been made very easy for people to come. And I think that was very apparent very early on. And so, um, you know, if you kind of... Um, it's it's hard to describe, but you've got people who are sitting in temporary accommodation or in kind of, you know, like a tented area, which was called the Expo, particularly in Warsaw. They didn't have the time or the ability to go through the process that was required of them without help. And that's what I was doing with a team of volunteers. We were helping people to navigate the system. And even so, you know, we were struggling and still are. And so a lot of people gave up and either went home, which is quite alarming, that a lot of people decided to actually give up and go back as things started to settle a little bit or so they felt or had made other choices your friends and family back home was their perception of what you were enduring different to what you were actually enduring when you were there absolutely if there was one thing that i found the most difficult out of the entire experience it was managing that which might sound really quite bonkers but I, I was really shocked by how terrified and worried everybody was. 
one day I was, you know, in a shopping mall in, in a Zara shop and I just had this load of messages come through for some colleagues. And I was like, gosh, there's such a mismatch here because it was kind of normal life in many ways. You know, life was going on all around. People were sitting in bars and cafes and restaurants. And that was one of the really tough things. I almost felt a little bit ashamed that I was, you know, in kind of safe and OK and not being shelled myself. What have you taken away from it what experiences will you remember and, and I suppose that very cheesy glib question has it changed you gosh yeah that's a big question isn't it it's definitely been an eye-opener in many ways it's changed me in as much as I feel very passionate about helping the many people that I met who were just like you and I but having to go through this absolutely awful situation and realising just how lucky and fortunate we are. My gratitude for where I live, the country I live in, the fact that we're, we're as safe as we can be, all of those things, that's definitely something I don't think I'll take for granted for some time. And, and I didn't really know anything about Ukraine before. And I've had a whole new world open up to me of some incredible people. I met lots of children. I got some great relationships going with so many of these families. And so there's a lot more I feel that is needed. We can't do everything, but what we can do perhaps is help when they are here, when they do come here, is to help them integrate and to help with the processes. Well, I was going to talk about your advice to people who are taking refugees in and indeed neighbours and friends who meet them. What sorts of things should we be doing? Because, of course, you can never predict uh, that they may suddenly become traumatised X weeks after they've arrived. Also, the cultural differences, the dietary differences, all of that. What's your advice to, to those of us trying to take or have already taken in refugees? Yeah, I I think, again, it's a, such a good question. And I, I don't know what, what advice directly families are getting that are receiving these families. I have one person that I was out there with who has now got her family with her. And it has been, you know, such an experience for, for her and her family. But she was kind of prepared. I think there's also the issue with workplaces and how are you know, workplaces are saying we're supporting our staff who are supporting Ukraine families. and But how are they supporting? And, you know, is that actually clear and communicated? And what does that mean? So I think there's a lot to be done at this end. And I haven't figured out what it actually is yet but it's something that I'm I'm kind of working on with um you know with with some of the resources that I have now what do you think the long term psychological impact will be not only on on those who've had to escape from Ukraine but but on those who have helped them at the border like you have and those who've received them into their homes well i mean i think it's going to be something that you know, having the answers to this is really difficult, isn't it? But I, I don't know. And I think there's a lot of don't knows. And sometimes we just don't know, do we? We don't know what it's going to be. It's going to mean something. It's a little bit like the impact of COVID, isn't it? We're still sort of figuring it out. It's like, well, what was the long term impact of that? I think we likely to have all sorts of issues again because of the immigration situation. Potentially, we're going to have situations whereby the men who are still mostly in Ukraine are going to need to come 
and join their families or so I think there's a whole host of stuff that can happen but not maybe all of it negative I think the other thing is that we're going to learn a a lot about Ukraine people and perhaps we can all be a bit changed by some of this by welcoming them, them into our lives and having this cultural enrichment that can be quite exciting. Has all of this changed you? I think so. I don't think you could perhaps witness all of that and not be changed by it in some way. It's very hard to let go. I've got the uh, volunteers who I was working with who are still in going to Warsaw Station every day, helping people. I've got people that I'm still helping with their visa application and getting frustrated and, you know, trying to help with all of that. And do you think our government has done enough? Do you think the process has been as easy as they could make it in the short term they've had to get this all up and running? I think it's been a a real mess, I'm afraid. Intentionally or incompetent? I don't think it's intentional. I know that, you know, a lot of people will be saying that it's because, you know, we want to keep people out and whatever, but I just think the bindweed is enormous. You know, the I mean, you know, we were sitting in a McDonald's in Warsaw Station, struggling to get onto Wi-Fi with a mother and a child who were trying to get the visa application. And we had to do an application for the mother and then the child separately. Things would drop out and drop off and it, it could be better. Sue, it's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time out. If people want to get in touch with you, if they've got some questions or whatever, can they? Of course, yes. I think one of the best places to find me and to read a little bit about who I am and what I do is on LinkedIn. So under Sue Christie in LinkedIn is probably the best place. Martin, I found that fascinating. I don't know about you. Oh, really, really enjoyable. Very, very interesting. It was a delight. I'm just very grateful to Sue for her joining us and telling us about it. That's it for this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, then you can get hold of Martin at martinalderton at claritysat.com. Or you can contact Adam at adam at adamkirklymedia.co.uk. And we'll see you on the next podcast very soon. Mm